In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here is a quick Reader's Digest version of some events that impact us today, but occurred in the year 325 in a little seaside town of Nicaea. Constantine is now emperor of the Roman Empire, and it is now or is approaching its zenith. He has become a Christian, even though he will not be baptized until he is on his deathbed around the year 337. Christianity is now the preferred religion of the empire, but Christianity is also presenting something of a little problem for the emperor because there is some dissension with the bishops of the church. So Constantine, Constantine decides to call a council of all the bishops to see if a solution can be worked out to several problems that were arising. The Council of Nicaea was the first of the ecumenical councils in which the whole church, as represented by bishops, was gathered together to argue and discuss important issues surrounding the church and her members. The most important and the ones that affect us today deal primarily with Christological issues, that is, Jesus' nature. Is Jesus divine? Is Jesus human? Or some composite of both? And also the nature of God as revealed in the persons of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes, there were other things like settling the calculations for the date of Easter, and I think something like 19 other important canons. But our focus today is on the nature of God as it is expressed in the Trinity. Constantine himself was present for most of the meeting and even entered into debates with the 318 bishops who were in attendance. Now, this would be a great John Grisham book turned movie with intrigue and lawyers and mysterious deaths, except it would be bishops and theologians and instead of mysterious deaths and missing persons, it would include a famous brawl between Arius, who is considered even a heretic to this day, and one of our most beloved saints, St. Nicholas of Myra, with Nicholas punching a tooth out of Arius's head. So, if you get nothing else out of this sermon, just always remember that before he delivered presents, to, Christ, to children on Christmas, St. Nicholas, a.k.a. Santa Claus, was punching heretics and knocking out teeth. <clears throat> now, one of the byproducts of this council was a creed that was agreed upon. Later, this creed was amended and changed until it became what we know as the Nicene Creed which we say together every Sunday and every major feast day. This creed is a summary of all that we believe as a church and hold together in union. It is not 
an exhaustive creed. We believe this and nothing else. But rather, it is a creed that says that above all else, we believe this. And the core, the most important thing to take away from it is that we believe in one God who we recognize as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This creed, minus one phrase that has caused some disunion between the Orthodox Church and the Western Roman-based church, that's another story for another day, that creed is a summation of who we understand and believe God to be. And it is also a vital mystery of the church. When we say mystery in this way, we're not talking about a whodunit crime thriller or a Sherlock Holmes story. Rather, we are saying that we know that this relationship exists and we can see it working and active, but we can't explain it. And the truth is somewhat shrouded from us because our minds, being finite and feeble, cannot comprehend it. So, what's the point of celebrating this trinity if we cannot explain it fully? I think that is the first step. There are many things that we cannot explain. I had a professor in college who always encouraged us to be comfortable living in the questions of not knowing the right answer. There are concepts and theories that you and I cannot explain, try as hard as we might. For example, please explain love to me. It's hard to do. We can talk about it. We can express how it may feel, but to explain the concept of love is difficult unless you have felt or experienced it or shared in it. The Trinity is much the same way. We can see it in action. We can make references from the scriptures to it. We can even make good theological decisions and arguments about it. But without us actually experiencing the Trinity, we can't explain it. So a good place to start is to recognize what we know. We know that there is but one God. We know that this God is active in the world and active in our universe. We know that God has created all things. We know that God has redeemed all things. We know that God has given life and purpose to all things. And right there, in those affirmative statements, we know that God is creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Not a bad place to start. But we also know what God is not. God is not 
three entities or three deities or three demigods, but is one God, united. God is not one God wearing three different masks, like an actor on the stage playing different roles, but is one God, continually active as one person, but in three highly recognizable ways. God is not a split personality that acts one way in some situations and another way in others, but is constantly fulfilling all three roles in every moment of time. And this is what the church has struggled with since Nicaea and will always struggle with until we are united with Christ and see things fully. But there is another aspect to the Trinity that we must pay heed to. And it is our involvement in the life of the Trinity. What the Trinity teaches us about life is about relationships. What does the relationship of the triune Godhead mean? And what does that relationship mean in my life? I would like for you to think about dancing. Typically, we think of two people together in something akin to an embrace. There is usually a person who is the lead, who directs the movements, who is in control of the couple. Now, add a person to that, and you now have a trio of people. It adds a whole new dynamic. Each person holds the hands of the other. Instead of a gaze into each other's eyes, there is a gaze that encompasses a wider sphere. And it is more difficult to have one leader because the new circle must move as a unit, moving left and right, around this way or around that way, changing directions with nudges and hints and dialogue. It becomes what we call a circle dance. And many modern theologians have started to use that imagery of direction within the concept of the Trinity, that the Trinity is something like a godly circle dance. But there's one other thing that we must understand about this relationship. The Trinity could not exist without one important and critical element, love. The Trinity has no relationship unless you realize that it is love that binds the whole thing together, that keeps it alive, that feeds it. Love of each of the other members, love of self, and love of the unit, of the whole. Love is that which is our prime example for this relationship. 
Now, how can we as Christians exhibit this kind of love? Well, that's part of the mystery. But we also have to realize that this love is not contained in the Trinity. It spills out like a bucket overflowing with water that will never stop. And that overflowing of love, according to some, is what we call creation. The love of God in Trinity could not be contained. And its outpouring is what created the cosmos and the stars, the earth, and you and me. We are a byproduct of God's outpouring love. And that is part of why God loves us immensely. It is out of love, or perhaps out of this Trinitarian love, that we are created. We can, <clears throat> we can begin living into that type of love, that Trinitarian love, when we follow the examples of what the Trinity's love looks like. It's a love that cooperates with each other. It's a love that is attuned to the needs and desires of each member. It's a love that exhibits sacrifice and servanthood and care. There is no domination nor is there a sense of pride or haughtiness. The love the Trinity exhibits is what we see in the person of Jesus, our great example. And our calling as Christians is to imitate that love as we have seen it shown and given to us. And that's part of the lesson of the Trinity. To learn to love each other and to learn to love God as the Trinity loves each other and us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.